Welcome everyone to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Oh, I'm feeling pukey. The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode two is brought to you by Strucker. It'll make time for you. Pete, so glad to be back for the second time this weekend talking WandaVision, and particularly this episode that just has, I don't know, has extra oomph to it. I can't wait to dive on in, but I know we have a couple things on the radar first. Yes, before we talk about this episode for the children, we want to let you know we just wrapped our Star Trek Discovery Season 3 coverage over there on Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. And check that out also on our Pop Culture podcast before we have now firmly turned our gaze towards the Marvel Studios Cinematic Universe for much of this foreseeable future. And of course, uh, this podcast for episode two, uh, settling into our Scarlet Sunday's time slot. So uh, as the season moves forward, if you are interested in sharing feedback, you know, we have our Twitter polls and whatnot. But if you're you looking to send that extra thoughtful email or whatever it might be, you know, getting it in certainly by Saturday night, maybe squeeze it in there Sunday morning. You should be, uh, you should be getting it to us in time for the podcast. And worst comes to worst, we'll just we'll get you next time. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? Wanda and Vision are in separate beds. When she is startled awake by a noise, she uses her power to flick the lights on and off a couple of times, waking Vision in his sleeping mask in the process. He gets up and turns the light back on, looking outside only to see her rose bushes. Is Vision using his night vision? There's no reason for him to be frightened as another thud forces him back under the covers. Uh, Vision had heard some co-workers talking about some unsavory characters in the neighborhood. Hope it's not them that they're talking about but another thud and wanda pushes the beds together uh one of them should certainly determine the source of the sound so wanda magically opens the curtains and it seems to just be the branches of a tree wanda makes two beds one and they go under the cover as she flicks the lights off with a snap we get the new theme music uh, and the Bewitched-esque animation showing all the neighbors that we're going to know better this episode. Pete, what are some things that jumped out uh, at you during these credits? So, some blink and you miss stuff, but it's definitely there. When Vision floats through the floor to leave for work in the credits, uh, there are bones in between the floors and there is the distinct shape of a helmet we're going to discuss in our theory segment in the grocery store there is a sign in the background for bova milk okay as well as anti-a's kitty litter uh all these things of deep comic importance again we'll talk uh, in that separate segment in a little bit 
when we return to the episode proper, it's Vision practicing his Cabinet of Mysteries trick. But where's the cabinet? Uh, here it is, says Wanda, and he's going to uh, bring her back. Tap, tap, and she's gone. Uh, of course, courtesy of the rotating panel. Pete, I'm never going to see a Cabinet of Mysteries trick again without the knowledge that, uh, the, you know, of how it works. You notice um, the symbol on the outside, right? I did. It looks... Look, looks like it could be a couple different things i had one interpretation uh, i saw another online i guess what we'll, was your interpretation my interpretation was it kind of looked like the iron man helmet outline uh a little bit i saw the mind stone there uh regardless uh with this rotating panel revealed it's a bit of an obvious trick but that's an idea you know they're not doing real magic they're doing illusions um they're why are they doing all this they're practicing for the school fundraiser and wanda wants them to fit in with that the story kind of splits into two wanda prepping to head off to the planning committee meeting and uh vision's going to go meet the boys in the library to talk some uh, some neighborhood safety uh later wanda hears a thud again and goes outside their address here matt of Potential importance, 2800 on the street. We'll see another address in a little bit. But Wanda finds uh, a colored object in this black and white sitcom, a red and gold or yellow uh, object revealed to be a toy helicopter with a sword logo on there. There's a number 57 on its side. Uh, maybe a 3000 on the tail it's never quite into focus then out of the blue seemingly agnes is there uh talking about the star of the show she of course is referring to senior scratchy her rabbit mm. which she's going to be lending to wanda and vision for the magic act uh we also get a mention of dennis the mailman hey he's just the messenger uh indeed don't shoot just the messenger i i Pete, part of what's so great about this episode is if you're just watching, if you're half watching while scrolling on your phone and drinking your soda pop, um, this is a nice little sitcom episode. If you're watching with frantic, uh, I don't know, searching for symbols everywhere, you know, why is he putting his hands up? Is it a joke? Is it a comment about Agnes? What kind of messenger is he? A mailman messenger? Another kind of messenger? This episode is simultaneously super shallow and ridiculously deep and the the best part is we don't know where it all ends up yet there is a lot going on here uh should be pointed out and symbolism being what it is senor scratchy played baby jesus in the christmas pageant last year we'll talk some more about that as well with that they're off to go see the queen of the cul-de-sac uh that's dotty the the hard to impress neighbor or as agnes says dotty is the key to everything so mind your p's and q's uh wanda floats that maybe she'll just be herself and uh that gets an astonished look from agnes that pete i would argue in the hands of the very able Catherine Hahn, uh, the look is held a moment too long to be comedic, again mm -hmm. suggesting at this entire time we're seeing two stories going on at once. Yeah, uh, the 2802 address of Dottie, so one door uh, over, uh, also with some heavy possible meaning. 
and that's probably uh one door over to the left her left not her right as in agnes agnes being on the other side yeah but i digress Dottie is holding court uh at the pool uh the devil's in the details that were told uh it, it suggested in the surface level narrative that maybe ha ha dotty is a devil you know again it's suggest it's stated as such they mean it boy what a what a real you know tough nut she can be perhaps also further suggestion there uh dotty uh does not appreciate some of the cross chatter going on between uh, wanda and the newly introduced geraldine so shush uh don't forget we're doing this pete for the children Yes, and Geraldine, this, of course, um, well out there in the, the press, spoiling nothing. This is uh, Monica Rambeau from uh, Captain Marvel, grown up. Yes, and it was interesting, Pete, when I watched this with my wife, she said, you know, oh, I feel like there's something up with Geraldine. I said, okay, go on. She's like, is it somebody that we know already? And I said, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but who do you think it could be? And my wife very uh, bluntly and appropriately was like, well, there's only so many human women of color in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Talking about not actresses, of course, but but characters. She said, how about that friend from Captain Marvel? I said, oh, but Captain Marvel was in the 1990s and this is this is probably in the 20, you know, in the in like 2023. She goes, oh, uh, well, how about that kid? The kid could be grown up. I was like, there you go. It's that easy. It's unfortunately, Pete, that easy to identify female, human, women of color characters in the MCU. But as you say, not much, even if you didn't pay attention to the, uh, the, you know, the advanced press stuff, which is 18 months ago at this point when she was, when, uh, when she was introduced, you can still, it's hardly a theory, but a theory work to figure out who it is. At the Westview Public Library there, Vision is looking for the Neighborhood Watch. Uh, Norm didn't expect to see him there. It's kind of a members-only deal. Uh, And Vision is going to wait until they introduce new business. But the later named Herbert, Herb, we'll dig into that a little bit later. Um, He mentions that uh, new business coming up here really just means another round of danish uh but vision kind of slips here he doesn't eat food in between meals when he's a regular eating machine uh he uh herb brings up some top secret intel that johnson treehouse he's bragging about it's a prefab job that blockhead can't even swing a hammer not like vision can you know he's one of few individuals in this universe who has lifted molnir uh also swung a hammer the uh <clears throat> the tenderizer in the first episode another callback uh also norm notes that arthur hart his bowling trophies were bought in a yard sale in a hackensack so again making us question where might westview be you wouldn't go all the way to hackensack from the sunny southern california uh just to get some fake bowling trophies the offer of some gum is given to vision there's a there's a slight uh a ponderance there vision might not eat 
food, but uh, gum is okay. Uh, it's for mastication. Pete, Herb that of course doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Herb saying he doesn't do that. Pete, that one of a couple of little references I think are winks to older members of the audience. Uh, the other I'm going to mention a little bit later from episode uh, one. Um, but he's chomping on the gum. He gets a hearty back slap, and we see that the gum literally gums up his works. Uh, and a joke is made at the table. Thank goodness they're not talking about security protocols anymore. So again, a top-level view is a bunch of chums having a little, you know, their own gossip session while having some snacks at the library. Uh, or Vision interrupted a secret thing and he was given something to divert his attention and to keep him away from talking about security. On a clock radio, Matt, that does not have the number six on it. Um, we hear music. Wanda is helping Dottie clean up. She asks if they haven't gotten off on the wrong foot, but Dottie's heard things about Wanda, her and her husband. And then the music shifts to help me Rhonda uh, as Wanda is explaining that she doesn't know what Dottie's been told, but she can assure her that she doesn't mean anyone any harm. And uh, indeed that message there, Wanda, can you read me over? Um, Pete, who could it be on the radio? The credits, the English language credits show nothing, so it must just be a mystery. Oh, man, I guess one would have to dig into the dubbing credits to find out who it is. Well, if you only got seven minutes of them in this episode, Matt. Uh, this is, of course, if you can't already recognize the uh, actor's voice, who has also been widely announced to be in the show, uh, as well as recognize him from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes, Agent Jimmy Woo of S.H.I.E.L.D., played by the effervescent Randall Park here. Uh, Dottie asks, who is that? Who are you? Uh, the voice again over the radio. Who is doing this to you, Wanda? Before the radio sparks out, Dottie shatters a glass and we have bright red blood uh, Wanda quickly grabs a napkin. Pop quiz, Matt. How does a housewife get a blood stain out of white linen? By herself. With that, they cut to commercial or, you know, faux commercial. Uh, it, of course, for Strucker watches. Stris made, uh, Swiss made. He'll make time for you. And the Hydra logo so present there. Pete, I feel like we have not seen a Strucker doing Hydra badness uh, since the summer and agents of shield although debatable i think it's fair to say debatable as to how mcu that was versus some other pocket reality but these are of course times of flexible reality but pete what else did you notice about the commercial same actors as of the previous commercial match so we will definitely dig into that who could they be stark stuff Hydra Strucker stuff. Hmm. Talk about that in a bit. The ticking accelerating out of the commercial before it's time for the talent show. It is. Uh, we see behind uh, 
behind the scenes of it, behind the curtain. Uh, Wanda and Vision are up next. Geraldine is minding the time, keeping track of uh, how long it's been since uh, Wanda asked where Vision was, uh, as well as you know keeping the schedule there. Where is Viz? He wanders in which, with, as Geraldine says, a hitch in his giddy-up. He looks drunk to us. Uh, we, of course, can intuit that it's from the gum. And he recounts how he and the boys were playing a game of horses with shoes, or shoes on horses. No, horses' shoes. Uh, and he tries to, uh, pardon me, Wanda tries to explain what happened with Dottie, but because psst, you're on, they're not able to have that discussion. Perhaps Pete missing some important info sharing. Things were strange even before the thing with Dottie. Uh, Dottie thanks everyone out front for supporting for the children. Uh, Bev was the horse there. And our final act is Wanda and Vision, which, of course, uh, Paul Bettany takes over with his comedic timing and um, Elizabeth Olsen here in terms of her ability to clean up the messes. Yeah. And again, I know that there are, there are some people watching this show with as much attention to details. We are, there are other people, maybe some people who are a little um, enjoying the show less, just seeing it on the surface level. Um, regardless, to see Paul Bettany, who, like, I've seen in comedic stuff. I'm pretty sure I saw A Knight's Tale in theaters back in 2000 or 2001. Um, I know the movie very well. He's a really funny guy, but he's been playing Vision for so long that you're just kind of used to, oh, awkward robot man, I can't walk through walls, sorry, I think I like you with my robot heart. He's really funny here. I, and, and Elizabeth Olsen, you know, a very able... Um, secondary force, uh, comedic-wise. Um, all this stuff where, you know, he's, he ends up flying and then she magics in a rope and everyone laughs because now they get the trick. Um, Dottie, by the way, Pete, for a moment, looked unimpressed. Uh, Vision lifts the piano, a feat of strength, and everyone's stunned into silence again. Wanda turns into a cutout and everyone's laughed. Uh, the Herb card trick doesn't quite have that set up and Wanda save there because the last card is the right card. Um, ultimately, though, they skip the rabbit trick and Vision passes the hat through himself. Again, everyone is stunned, but then Wanda reveals that there are mirrors behind the curtain on the stage and everyone says, oh, that makes sense. Although Bev wonders if that's how mirrors work. <laughs> Shut up, Bev. <laughs> the grand finale, the magnet of Christeries here. Uh, going to make his wife disappear uh, and not a volunteer named Agnes's husband, Ralph. I sure hope we meet Ralph at some point. I know he might be the, um, um, oh my goodness. Niles's wife on cheers. Maris, <laughs> Naris. It, it, it might be funnier to never meet Ralph. It, it's true. It's true. Uh, they all start to chant what's in the bar. Um, Pete, when you put it like that, it perhaps changes the genre slightly. But indeed, you know, indeed they do. Uh, the reveal, because of course Vision has forgotten to put Wanda in in the first place. Wanda magics in. Ta-da! Geraldine. Um, so, magic show. Presumably saved, although we know Wanda thinks it's been a, you know, a near disaster. 
Athena backstage. Vision has the great line. He's been feeling weirdy all day. Pete, decades from now, I will be saying, I've been feeling weirdy all day. And I might have forgotten that I got it from this episode this week. But it's going to be indelible. I just know it. Um, Wanda ultimately apparates the gum out of him. And it was gumming up the works, Pete. It was they attempt to sneak off before Dottie and the planning committee string them up. Stop right there. No, your show was hilarious. They get the inaugural comedy performance of the year award. Uh, Geraldine wonders how she went from backstage into the cabinet. Kind of a metaphor for everything going on. But again, Matt, it's all for the children. Indeed, back home, the happy couple reflects it being a success. They were able to be themselves, you know, with just a few modifications. Uh, it was all for the children, and Wanda gets up to go make some popcorn, and suddenly she's with child. Is this really happening, she says, a moment filled with emotion. Then, boom, boom. Another outside sound. Uh, Vision says that uh, they're going to go, you know, if this is from the tree again, he's going to lop off that damn tree. Uh, but when they go outside the street, ominously empty, then there's the rattling of the manhole cover. And Pete, who comes out? A beekeeper uh, clad in a sword uh, suit. You can see the logo on the back. There is a man's face inside. I know there's been some enhancement online to try to figure out who that might be in there wanda says no not no more mutants she says no and we rewind back to the realization of the child or children um vision tells her it's really happening they kiss and then his face has now appeared in color the rest of the room does. And they lean in and kiss again as the end credits come about with the voice again asking Wanda who's doing this to her. And then stand by for seven minutes of credits. <laughs> What is the deal with this episode? So Pete, looking at some numerology, some theories here, you mentioned uh, that Wanda and Vision are in house number 2800. Uh, Dottie's shown as 2802. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Indeed, Pete, it even crossed my mind. I know that they're filming up at the, the Warner Ranch. I must confess I'm not quite sure where that is. I'm assuming the Warner Ranch is different than uh, their Burbank Studios, but it's... Among other things, it's got all these famous old-time uh, sitcom houses. Like, literally, it's Bewitched next to um, Leave it to Beaver next to something else, that kind of thing. So, I'm not, so point being, it could cross my mind, maybe that's just the number that was left on the house from the last production or from, you know, or, from... Or, uh, so, 2800, take two away from eight, Matt. What are you left with? Two away from eight is six? Yeah, there was no six on the clock. Uh, 2802. Um, you have two away from eight again, which is six. If you did six two more times, 
what number would you have for Dottie's house? Six, six, six. Yeah, the key to everything. So uh, the devil's in the details. I mean, let's come right to the quick of it with Marvel. They could very heavily be uh, hinting at the character of Mephisto. Yeah, I think, again, there's so much... I I was so blown away watching this episode for the second time, taking notes, because there are so many deep possibilities where things could go. I'm sure some of it is us tugging at threads that are not meant to be tugged at. I'm sure some of it is us tugging at false leads or fake-outs or things that are just references, not theories. For example, Pete, chopper the chopper number has a 57 on it. Um, I, I took note of that, and then I came across, uh, I think it was on BuzzFeed or something, came across, hey, Wanda and Vision first appear in Avengers number 57. So as far as I'm concerned, the chopper number, um, the, the possible 3,000 notwithstanding, but chopper number 57, okay, that's a cute thing, the end. Uh, Matt, what number comes between five and seven? Uh, ooh, also six, I suppose. Uh-huh. Um... So, I, I don't know, this episode was such a joy because it wasn't about establishing the world, even though this is now a new kind of decade world. It was just believe in all those possibilities, believe in all these questions that you have. Don't just sit there passively and go, oh, that was nice, they did a thing. You know, no, question everything. Uh, indeed, Pete, Agnes holding up Dennis the mailman, I get it, stick him up, haha, I'm just the messenger, don't shoot the messenger. Perhaps that's... Perhaps that's how people used to joke back then. Um, maybe it's just handy exposition to make it clear that he's the mailman um, or set up for, you know, he's the mailman. You know, full reveal in X number of episodes. He's the deliverer of secret messages from the outside. You know, maybe it was all mailman oriented. But Pete, perhaps because she's, quote unquote, holding up Dennis, um, is that another bit of evidence along with Agnes as the nosy neighbor is she acting as some sort of security chief for this situation? Well, on Agnes in the grocery store, the uh, Auntie A's uh, kitty litter. So uh, Agnes, this could be the character of Agatha uh, from the Marvel comics. She's got the brooch on. Uh, there's an association with cats. She being a witch going back to... Uh, Salem and then even new Salem old enough to have been around for Atlantis scratchy her son in the comics Nicholas scratch uh, very closely associated with both Dr. Strange and even Hellcat who we've had over on the Marvel TV side Patsy Walker on Jessica Jones well I mean Pete you, you mentioned Marvel TV, you mentioned Marvel Netflix and whatnot. Um, I th- while I think you and especially I are tracking the theory that if you if you worked for Marvel TV, you might be persona non grata at Marvel Studios. Uh, sometimes best story wins out. So whether it's Hellcat, uh, poss- I, I would say the Hellcat, the odds of Hellcat showing up on this show, I would put as low. But also, I know this week there are heavily unsubstantiated rumors that you might have the character of Jessica Jones showing up in She-Hulk, which is probably nine months away from even starting to film. So that's perhaps a bit premature. Um, More solid rumors of Charlie Cox playing an unnamed character in 
the Untitled Spider Home 3. So all of these things are on the board and possible in a way where, quite frankly, under the, you know, under the Jeff Loeb years of, well, of Marvel TV, I mean, Marvel TV and Jeff Loeb essentially being one and the same, but during all of that, you could pretty much guarantee that you were not going to see Melinda May showing up to fly a shield jet in the latest Avengers movie because that's just how that wall worked. Uh, now that wall, that wall gone because there is no more Marvel TV. It's all Marvel Studios now, so uh, it's all on the board. People have made a little too much out of Kevin Feige being asked about uh, a Marvel Netflix character and not saying like, no, we'd never use that character. Like, can we calm down a little bit on that? But if, Pete, he said, those are some great characters. And and those, gonna, and those actors were phenomenal. Him. Then he smiled. That means that Daredevil is coming back tomorrow, right? It's already filmed, right? Because he's going to trash them. I mean, come on. Back to the credit sequence. The bones and the distinct shape of the helmet in between floors of the uh, home uh, would seem to be reminiscent of the Grim Reapers from the comics. I'm glad that you specify from the comics. I had read, I think I saw a tweet or something like that. Oh, it's the Grim Reaper. And I went back and I looked. I'm like, I don't see, you know, hooded guy with sickle uh, or scythe rather. (laughs) Um, And it was like, Okay, you know, so so Pete, thank you for putting that that theory in context. Um, again, I feel like a lot of this is under the context of either it's a really cute little reference because uh, Kevin Feige or any one of a number of people were like, "Hey, remember the Grim Reaper character? Uh, when I was when I was twelve, there was a really awesome story that just stuck with me. Hey, why don't we put that in there as an Easter egg? So is it, it you know is it an Easter egg or is it or no does it the bear out? Yeah, the Grim Reaper character will be revealed, and it is played by you know uh, Jeff Goldblum, and it's the biggest thing ever. Or it's just hey, it's a cute little thing. Uh, same situation with the Bova milk. Uh, a deep comic cut, Matt. There is the character of uh, Bova, uh, a cow created by High Revolutionary, um, who is named Herb. Um, yeah, and I know, I feel like that's a little more, uh, um, sticky a theory in terms of, you know, a character named Herb, we have an actual Herb in here who's getting screen time, getting interaction in a reality that I think we all can agree is, you know, this is not real reality that we are seeing in terms of MCU reality, not, you know, these characters are real in our existence, you know, but I think that's a bit more possible that, Herb will be a comic book character named Herbert as opposed to, you know, the, 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 the shadow here or the Bova reference there, that kind of thing. The for the children stuff becomes a little bit more prescient with the realization at the end of the episode that Wanda is pregnant. So, you know, who's doing this to her is she being made pregnant is she willing the pregnancy into existence i kind of take the mindset that this mantra for the children that 
the they, whoever it is. Is it the townspeople? Is it the puppet master behind the scenes? But the, the, the mysterious they are trying to coax Wanda into creating the pregnancy. Uh, I know in the comics she creates the pregnancy because, Pete, for those who don't know such things, a Vision is a robot, so that ain't going on quite there. Um, that's kind of my take. Also, I don't know how... I don't know how kind of, meadow's the wrong word, but I don't know how um, serious we want to be in our analysis, or or I don't know how serious the, the thought process was, uh, how somber the thought process was in creating the show, but like the idea that somebody is making Wanda pregnant without her knowledge or participation or consent, that quickly, at the very least, shall we say, sounds off-brand for Marvel. Um, so I think the notion that, okay, because of her magic powers, she has created this. Okay. To me, that works in terms of the reality. And it also kind of checks in terms of outside real world reality check. Okay. That, that works for me. Whereas other versions of that might not. Is gum food? Um, gum is not food. Although Pete, let me turn it back to you. Was the gum gum or was that delivered to vision to be some sort of, you know, slow vision down as he tries to to pick at the edges of this uh, simulation, uh, picking though he did not know he was doing. By our Herb character, possibly high evolutionary, also a, uh, a sentient robot there. Hmm. We will have to see. Uh, you did the, and, and full credit here, Matt, for the credits, because I see seven minutes of credits and I scan through it and I make sure there's no scene and I say, you know what, I don't need to know about the, the grip's name for this episode. You did the legwork in seeing that Randall Park was credited in the foreign language credits as our voice over the radio there. Yes, it's interesting that the um, the foreign language credits... Uh, and honestly, I don't know if it's if it's all of them or just as the foreign language credits start, but the English language actors get a credit um, at the beginning of the process, at the very least. I must confess, have I stopped and carefully watched, you know, the Spanish and the Portuguese and the the Quebecois, etc. I haven't watched it with kind of you know notepad in hand, but the actors' names do get mentioned there and. Um, certainly the character names get mentioned and to see, you know, so-and-so for the Quebecois version, the, the Quebecois dub, uh, so-and-so is doing the voice of Agent Wu. It was like, oh my goodness. Yes, of course. I mean, it, it did kind of sound like him, but it could also not been him. Um, again, the, the devil's in the details, Pete. The, Eng the official version that's like, all right, don't forget everybody. Kevin Feige says... Randall signed the okay. He does not need to be credited for this. We gave him some extra money, uh, but he's not credited for this to help keep the mystery. And that didn't quite filter down to whatever the company name is, Disney International Language Dubbing or whatever it is. Right. Um, so that was a fun bit of confirmation. You got to wonder if like Gene Sky in Mandalorian, uh, that will be rapidly excised, changed up uh, to prevent that. Um if you know you are listening to Randall Park, the voice is unmistakable. Um, and, and that's the, the trick of it, I would suppose. You know, I'm listening and asking myself, who could it be? Who could it be? 
and the confirmation in the in the credits only makes you hear it all the more. Yeah, and I think that it's it's something like um, Randall Park's voice that um, there's always going to be this perpetual um, out of step nature between uh, the story and then the marketing. Um, of course, you're going to include in the marketing Randall Park and Kat Dennings um, for a variety of reasons, including just to make it clear, like, hey, this isn't just a black and white show with a laugh track or fine live studio audience. You know, something else is going on and, and you know, hey, it's that guy from that thing. Hey, she hasn't been in a Thor movie in forever. Like, it's, it, it's things to get you interested as the show gets marketed. Probably there's some people on the purely creative end that are like, but we worked so hard, and he gave the okay that he wouldn't be credited, even though he's an actor of, of you know, a, 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 of quite a resume at this point, and and on and on. And now it's been spoiled. Well, again, there's people watching this on the surface level. There's people watching the deep level. I, indeed, Pete, let's dig a little deep here. Many people familiar with the House of M comics, you know, a House of M reference in the first episode, have said, "Hey, in the comics, Wanda is filled with grief." So she uses her magic, creates uh, another reality or a change to reality. Um, Pete, let's just summarize here. And people have said, therefore, control C, copy, paste. That's what happened here. Let's just recap, Pete. Did Wanda create this pocket reality to escape her grief? Because women are emotional. Is that really what they're doing in 2021? That she couldn't handle it, therefore she created some fake fantasy. To me, that's unpalatable in terms yeah. of that's going to be the reveal. Then, frankly, you add to it, Wanda, who is doing this to you? Can you hear me? I'm trying to help you escape. I don't think that this is she did a thing because she was really sad and she can't quite deal with sadness the way other people do. And conversely, the No More Mutants... Uh, from the comics here with the beekeeper showing up, no rewinding this back to the children, I think begs the real question. Will the progeny here be our first Marvel studios, cinematic universe mutants? The only in a bubble, that's a really juicy thought. And, and I love the idea to go from the comic origin, no more mutants, to the beginning of mutants. This is a teensy little problem, Pete. I would like to get X-Men in the MCU at some point this decade, and if the MCU generally gives you a year of time, a year of time in our life is the same as a year of time in the MCU, fine, there was this five-year jump and all that. But generally, you know, uh, Endgame was 2023, Heavy indications that uh, perhaps not this show. I mean, what little asterisk on when exactly we are time-wise for, for WandaVision. But the heavy assumption that Falcon and the Winter Soldier and second asterisk for Loki because there's the time authority and time jump and whatnot. But Falcon and um, presumably Ms. Marvel and presumably Hawkeye are taking place in 2024, a year after 2023. Um, I don't want to wait, what, another... 50 years for Charles Xavier <laughs> to decide that there needs to be a safe place for mutants and to, to open up that, to start buying up some land in Westchester, including that great mansion, you know, and on and on. Um, but they could, I mean, they did a time jump once star Wars is experiencing what, how many we're, we're, we're looking at two 
different timelines concurrent, right? There's the the post sequel timeline, and then there's right. the Mandalorian timeline. So could Marvel Studios do that? I tend to think no, but it's not off the table. I mean, Star Wars is doing three. They're going to have uh, at least one of the shows set before the prequels as well. So, I mean, slow burn potentially with mutants. I mean, we know we're going to get Fantastic Four now. Um, you know, uh, Deadpool the other day making news will be Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I mean, surprise? No. I mean, clearly the the character of the most creative value to bring over. I don't think uh, Wanda is pregnant with Deadpool, although I would sign up for that in a moment. <laughs> Uh, if there's a show where they could make this work, it would be this one. Um, on parentage, Matt, let's talk about the two actors in the commercial. Uh, what would you like to say about them? All I did, my entire experience with them is, oh, I recognize them from last week. More so the guy than the gal, but uh, how do you tie that to parentage? Well, they've been in a Stark commercial. They've been now in a Hydra Baron Von Strucker commercial are these two actors, the parents of Wanda Maximoff and Pietro Maximoff. I think that's a really great theory because if they're going to show up, if they're going to show up in some sort of, some sort of um, time when the that when this false reality starts to meld away, melt away, um, we will have seen them enough times as the commercial couple so that it's like mom, dad, and we'll instantly know something's up because she's calling them mom and dad, whereas we've seen them each week as the commercial couple. Um, add to that the idea that we expect a different decade every episode. That's going to run out in episode six, uh, which presumably would give us seven, eight, and nine to be real world, uh, whatever that's going to look like. Um, this is a great way to set up characters like that. Oh, Pete, let's also not forget rumors of either MCU Quicksilver or X-Men Universe Quicksilver showing up or Evan Peters, who played X-Men Quicksilver, showing up in another role. Like, There's all sorts of possibilities always against this backdrop of reality is going to be bent and broken. We know that because of Doctor Strange 2. We know that because of stuff leaking out of Spider-Home 3 and and a whole bunch of Spider-Men showing up. So the the likelihood, the possi- maybe not likelihood, the possibility that it all starts here and that reality starts to fracture here in this show, the, the, the possibility is very high. You talk about Doctor Strange, Matt. Something strange happened with Dottie. Um, certainly the blood, uh, was strange. I mean, her whole demeanor is, her whole demeanor is a weird one. And I think that we're setting up the possibility of, how do I want to say this? She seems to be half a step out of the reality that everyone else is experiencing. Um, is it because she's just the queen bee and she's icy or is it because there's some, you know, she has some deeper knowledge the way I think we all are intuitively assuming that Agnes has a different view on things. Um, it certainly could be. Then you add to it the whole bleeding in color thing, which, uh, Pete, I don't have a working theory on. I mean, obviously, Shades of Pleasantville, 
and all that. You know, what was it that Joan Allen did to make that tree uh, burn in the movie? Ah, but I digress. Um, but aside from kind of, hey, we're, we're going from the, the playbook of Pleasantville here. I don't know what to make of Dottie bleeding in color. Well, I mean, the, the strange mention, you got to wonder if there's some connection there in terms of Dr. Stephen, but that'll remain to be seen at this point. And then, of course, Matt, the beekeeper. I think given all the ominous shades to the beekeeper, I mean, nobody really likes bees. Honey is nice, but bees, nobody likes um, the fact that the beekeeper is protected from that, it adds, you know, you can't see his face. Although, Pete, I'm completely curious now that you've said people have, you know, done screen caps and raised the brightness and all that. That'll, that'll be the next deep dive, uh, if not during the podcast and afterward. Uh, but bottom line being, I think the beekeeper is so steeped in imagery of um, the other, of mystery, of evil, that we can assume that he is the opposite of those things that he's there to help rescue that he's the source of the the bang against the house that it's it's i take it as this pete it's sword the the good folks at sword banging on the the, the glass dome metaphorically uh th- that has trapped wanda and vision and trying to make a way in and the beekeeper has done so and just done so with great imagery there well certainly not closed off with a dome but definitely storing some honey is uh patreon.com slash fantastic geek indeed pete that the place where those who keep the podcast going those who support us can go to get some goodies stored away for all time pete just like honey ever good uh and of course our ability to stay listener supported is so so appreciated even as we try and uh and make our way through the mysteries of wandavision so you pick the value you place on the podcast. Just a dollar a month is going to get you behind that door. All sorts of exclusive goodies could be in the form of early listens, could be something you only get there for all times. So get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek today. You want to go where people know people are all the same. Pete, let's take a look at the Twitter poll for what some of our listeners thought about this episode. The four choices were kind of gray, got 6.4%. Pleasantville got 8.5%. Gold Trophy got 21.3%. And then Wonderful World of Color got 63.8%. So some, some enthusiasm there. Uh, some replies to the tweet we heard from the the Everwise, uh, a.k.a. Frank Black. That's at DJ underscore Black, B-L-A-K-357. Uh, and he said, overly impressed by the comedic and sitcom style acting of Elizabeth and Paul. It's like the I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke show all rolled in one. And that neighbor, she's going to be a gas. Stay fantastic in 2021. Uh, by the way, Pete, uh, Mr. DJ's words reminding me, uh, I noticed in the credits for episode one, uh, it's Elizabeth Olsen, then Paul Bettany. For episode two, it's Paul Bettany, then Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, that's one way to share the top spot. Yeah, you got to wonder too, like in terms of screen time, you know, focus on his story. Do they, do they rotate that? That, that was curious. 
a very minor thing to keep an eye on, but worth keeping an eye on, certainly. Uh, we heard from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killin on Twitter, and he said, The show is funny and weird, giving up its secrets slowly. It goes beyond parody and actually delivers inside the genre. We also heard from JT Adkins, it's at JTA's me. Love that they have the guts to do this slow burn on the mystery. Fun. And then, Pete, we heard from Hail Hydra, that's at Hydra underscore lives. Way out of left field, but are they in the framework? Pete, your thoughts there from that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. storyline. If, if Feige is going to take the magnanimous, oh, hey, you liked Daredevil? I liked Daredevil too. Great character. Um, I don't think we're going to reach for a construct from a subplot in season four of agents of shield I'd, I'd love to be wrong uh i don't think they're in the framework pete uh a theory from kimmy jones that's at kim number four animals kim four animals she asked did you see the nod to mary poppins pete i will say unabashedly i'm a big mary poppins fan i told her no uh so kimmy said vision kept calling uh herbert sherman which is a nod to the Sherman brothers and the two kids who were dancing on the stage. One was dressed like Bert from Mary Poppins. It could be a stretch, but I took it that way. Pete, if nothing else, keeping it all in the Disney family here. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And Pete, we heard from uh, at BikeBRH, who said, after two episodes of WandaVision, I hope they get to the point pretty soon. There's a reason I don't watch 50s and 60s sitcoms anymore, or modern ones, and it's because I don't like all the cringe humor. The sooner we're done with that, the happier I'll be. Your thoughts, Pete? I don't quite understand that take. I saw a, not a similar, but just another uh, you know, reaction that was basically like, what I'm seeing here with this couple, this doesn't seem like a, a real interaction. And I have to wonder, Matt, are, are people aware that they're watching, uh, you know, a, a sitcom which really has dramatic underpinnings, all of which is fake? Uh, Pete, I guess I have a couple of thoughts. I, I think that there is some... Uh, audience confusion, which I would say no blame lies at the feet of Marvel. They've shown in previews that there's weirdo TV, weirdo trapped in TV land stuff. And they've also shown, uh, you know, urgent color widescreen, you know, Jimmy Woo running and, and things like that in terms of like action, action Marvel stuff. Um, so to me, the, 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 the compact between the show and its audience of something weird is going on here gotta gotta stick around to find out what it is um to me that is that has been clearly communicated um i'll add to it you know the criticism of i don't think they have a functioning marriage uh first of all elizabeth olsen and paul bettany have worked together on these movies enough where i believe they have a you know a personal rapport uh just as two people spending time together on a set Add to that, I mean, in some of the close-ups, I buy that these two characters are in love with each other. Furthermore, Pete, regardless of what is unstated or, or what is intuited from the screen, here's what I see for them as a married couple. First of all, uh, 
clearly they get along clearly they're in love pete there's references to things like they go under the covers or you know in this episode or even uh and pete i I don't know if i'm delving too deeply into metaphor here but there was passing reference to uh vision and being tongue-tied and things like that uh in, in in episode one but add to it what you see in this partnership is the fact that each shows restraint with the other you know wanda doesn't blast vision with her powers and vision doesn't pick her up and throw her across the room of course these are comic book powers but in the real world you know when you're in a when you're in a working marriage when you're in a a solid relationship you know you might uh bite your tongue so as not to let your the, the the negative power of your temper out or you might not you know, whatever it might be, you 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 hold back a little out of consideration for the other person. And what we've seen in these two episodes are two people who act out of consideration for each other, act out of concern for each other, work as a team, support each other. Pete, one's a witch and one's a robot, and they're trapped in some sort of TV reality prison pocket thing uh, of unknown creation and unknown origin but it's a model it's a comic book model of a relationship that works their beds go together in the first act in the in the tease uh they go under the covers uh at the end she's pregnant like i do i need to draw a picture for you Uh, pete if you did could it be uh black and white animation using (laughs) gears and sprockets uh ozzy and harriet only to Facebook, Matt, where Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Episode two of WandaVision was another winner. Paul Bettany is a revelation as a comedic talent. I thought it was a, uh, very strange that Monica Rambeau would give Wanda a fake name. Perhaps she is more aware of the reality of Wanda's situation than we are supposed to think. From the two commercials, it seems obvious that there is a time travel element to the story. I'm starting to wonder if someone is altering Wanda's reality instead of the other way around. I am seeing a lot of influence from the 1985 Vision and Scarlet Witch series, which was brought full circle in House of M. I am shocked at the number of negative reaction I am seeing to this series. It is very weird. It is a very weird head trippy thing that is happening, and I am loving every second of it. As always, make mine marvel and stay fantastic with the PH. I think that where the criticisms are coming from, I think people have lost track of the idea that um, there was a whole bunch of Marvel movies that took place uh, in a reality very similar to ours. Like Tony Stark made a missile, then he made a missile suit. Then he kind of made it better, so it was a better missile suit with a Siri. Okay. And and then, you know, um, uh, the Incredible Hulk uh, just got, like, bigger than you could ever get through lifting weights, but it kind of was, like, double that. So that's, I can imagine that. At a certain point, there was a talking raccoon and a tree, and there's Doctor Strange with magic, and there's Ant-Man in the Quantum Realm, like... This is not that weird. It's only, Pete, here's the thing. It's only weird because people want to fast forward to the end and they can't for the next, or for the remaining, what, seven weeks. You can't fast forward to the end. And I think people are conflating, I don't know what's going on with, they're doing a bad job telling me what's going on. No, we are precisely where we're supposed to be, thinking that Herb is either a friendly friendly neighbor or 
an incredible villain. Dottie is either the queen bee next door or the devil. Like, we're exactly where everybody wants us to be. Robert T. Frost writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt and Pete, WandaVision is a unique, mysterious, and fun way to usher in Phase 4 of the Marvel Universe. There is so much in these two episodes. To begin with, I believe that the opening scene with the plate breaking against Vision's head is an analogy for Wanda's life, shattered, and she is trying to put it back together. Also, as a reference to S.W.O.R.D., i.e. my wife and her flying saucers. It seems to me that Wanda is in control of what is happening, whether she is conscious or unconscious of her control, and the show gives us two examples. The first is when Wanda tells Vision to help Mr. Hart when he is choking. Vision seems incapable or unable of helping until Wanda directs him to do so, and she breaks her sitcom character when she's giving the order. Second is at the end of the second episode when she says no after the beekeeper looks at her and the episode rewinds to a happier moment and transforms into Technicolor. I like the two commercials in the episodes. First, uh, live commercials for a live show. The The first commercial was a Stark product and Tony Stark helped create Vision and was the reason that Wanda wanted powers in the first place. And the second commercial was a Strucker watch, referencing the man who helped create Wanda. Incidentally, I didn't see the face on the toaster until you gentlemen pointed it out. The closed captioning on my TV blocked the lower portion of the toaster. I thought it looked like a profile of a bus with funny wheels, and therefore referencing the levitating car from the first Captain America movie. I think the voice on the radio asking Wanda who did this to her sounds like FBI agent Jimmy Woo, and then we get the Beach Boys singing Help Me uh, Rhonda in the background, but the song changes and replaces Rhonda with Wanda. When Dottie says the devil is in the details, Agnes then retorts, that's not the only place he is. I had to do some research on Wanda as I had not followed her in the comics. And I think these two statements could be referencing Mephisto, the devil in the Earth 616 reality, as this character has a lot of interaction with Wanda, especially now that Wanda is pregnant. And in the comics, Mephisto wanted her children. It also ties in nicely with the mantra for the children. I noticed that in episode 101, their home appears to be two stories as they walk in for the first time, but is laid out like a one-story ranch. Then in episode 102, the house was a two-story Cape Cod, and the interior is now different with the stairway now visible, and the address stays the same, 2800. So, so much going on. Until next time, your friend, Bob. I love the notion that there's an intentional mismatch between uh, the the interior set and the exterior, you know, location. I remember so distinctly watching Charles and Charge reruns in the late '80s and just being like, <laughs> at a certain point, realizing that picture that they show for the outside. I don't think that it matches. Like, I just remember this this light bulb going off. That oh wait, sometimes this all isn't 100 percent real. Um, 
Certainly some great thoughts there from Bob. Pete, we'll check the email inbox now. Uh, an appropriately, uh, an appropriate email from 084. Pete, 084, the second episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. Here we're talking episodes one and two of WandaVision. Uh, but 084 says, I really loved the WandaVision premiere, and it's great that I loved it for different reasons than I expected to. Of course, I was going to inhale the first Marvel Studios content in, in a year and a half and have rose-colored glasses, but they really delved into driving the story with style above all. The first two episodes were literally a 50s, 60s sitcom about a witch with a robot husband, with campy and silly plot lines straight out of that time period. Even the special effects were decades old, and I loved it. And of course, the MCU fan in me gobbled up all the mystery sprinkled in, all those sword logos... Geraldine, in quotes, Agnes, the helicopter, the radio, the color red, and of course the guy wearing the suit that somehow looks too much like a beekeeper to be AIM. Uh, oh, plus I love the Stark Toaster and Strucker Hydra wristwatch commercials. You can't take your eyes off the screen for a second. Can't wait to see how they keep the story going. Pete, that from 084. Always noticing what's going on there. Great email from 084. But Matt, it's time to hear from the Grand Dom of Marvel on Twitter, LMD Mary. I'm talking about Mary Kirk. So I just looked on IMDb and it shows nine episodes, which for some reason I thought there were six. And then I'm like, well, maybe there's eight. And then there's, it shows nine. So now I'm thinking that all of the stuff that they released showing them in sitcoms, they're pulling the same thing with all of that being released that they pull with the movies where they show a whole bunch of stuff and people are like, oh, they're ruining the movie. And then it turns out it was all in the first act of the movie. I think that everything they've released so far in the sitcoms are going to be in the first three or four episodes. And then we're going to go someplace completely different. Pete, I think that it, it's a good bet that we're not going to spend all nine episodes in, in TV land. Uh, I would be surprised if it happens uh, you know, if we get out of TV land in the next three or four episodes, I mean, get out of it completely. Do I think that there's a certain point in the next couple weeks, episode three or four, where I think some kind of, if not explanation, but some kind of, you know, officially there's the scene of, uh, you know, note taker lady or there's Jimmy Woo at a desk saying we got to get them out. Like there's, there's got to be a little bit more, not because like I need it to, for, for explanation purposes. I think for pacing, it makes sense that as we, that prior to the midpoint, which would be episode five prior to that, that we get, we, we get more than a little, than a little crumb that we get a proper little appetizer to say, you know, chew over this. This is what you can start to, this is how you can start to piece things together. I don't know how they were able to keep the nine episode content amount under wraps as long as they did. I mean, it wasn't until like 10 days before this drop that we got that official confirmation. So I, I just don't know. One thing Mary reminds me of is in the way that in advertising as well, you think back to the Infinity War trailer hey, here's the Hulk running around in Wakanda. Uh, in the movie, it's not Hulk. It's Banner inside the uh, the Veronica suit. So um, could they be playing that game as well? I know that series director Matt Shackman uh, said in, in an interview in the last week that 
when lockdown hit, they had completed all of their Atlanta filming and were already planning to pause and pick up sticks and go film more in California. Um, certainly the, you know, the Warner Ranch, you know, kind of the, the suburban lane stuff being definitely in California. So it's possible, Pete, that it's possible that, that the episode count could have been kept low because you weren't necessarily shooting every you weren't shooting all of episode one then all of episode two um certainly a lot of the sitcom stuff you know you weren't going to mix a lot but just the point being beekeeper guy might have been shot in august september and that might it might have always been the plan that six weeks after episode one you were then going to go to california and shoot more um more from episode one or episode two that that kind of thing um, so maybe that was a way to hide it because average average person on the set, you know, oh, I have to hold the boom mic today. What is this? Well, who knows what episode it is? We're shooting a whole bunch of stuff. This morning we shot a thing, you know, pickup shot for episode one. Now we're doing another episode. So maybe there was some of that flexibility there. But Pete, certainly this a show deep in theories. How can people be in touch with you to share their prognostications about the future? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,760 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H. Like it today. Definitely can't wait to be talking more WandaVision next Scarlet Sunday. With that, Pete, I'll say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Now you can clap.